0: Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So today's episode is entitled Wokeness and Its Excesses. I don't particularly like the term wokeness, and even worse, the term cancel culture. These are mostly right-wing memes that are meant to obscure, to prevent honest conversation, and to gaslight people. But they are the terms that are kind of in the mainstream now, so I'll use them, albeit sparingly. So first up, when talking about wokeness, I think it's good to just take a step back here and look at the bigger picture for context, which sometimes gets lost. So in America, white men, particularly Christian white men, have held a stranglehold on the political power, the wealth, and much of the cultural power for over 200 years. They have always used that power in obscenely barbaric and cruel ways, raping, murdering, pillaging, keeping women down, keeping black and brown and indigenous people down, keeping gay people down, and promoting myths and lies uh, under a false sense of patriotism. Now, over the last few decades, but especially in the last few years, once marginalized and oppressed groups are starting to gain increasing political and cultural power, and they are calling out this white patriarchy, right? And so, you know, wokeness in, in you know, there is no, of course, perfect definition here, but it's kind of about people being hyper sensitive and hyper aware of and hyper attuned to issues of kind of oppression and marginalized groups, and power imbalances. And the the key thing is to to realize that's not just coming out of thin air, right? It's in response to a white power structure that has been barbaric for centuries. Now, the rise of wokeness is not particularly new, although it's, again, in a, a particularly concentrated form these days. We can trace a lot of this back all the way to the 1960s where voting rights increased, then we had, you know, the, the, and and they gave black people a lot of power. We had early feminist movements. We had um, Native American, a resurgence of kind of Native American power movements. Of course, we had the Black Power movement and the Black Panthers. We had the gay rights movement later on in the 1990s and in the aughts. And then in the last, you know, few years, We've had the meme two movement and the Black Lives Matter movement. So, again, I see these all on a continuum and a spectrum. You know, wokeness is, is not something particular to this day and age, right? It's, it's a long kind of history here. And at its core, wokeness is a righteous thing. It is a corrective to hundreds of years of bright, brutal white supremacy. And it should be celebrated. Now, of course, though with America being America, it's not that simple. right? Whenever white power is challenged in America, there is a fierce backlash. right? Without the first black president, there is no Trump movement, period, end of story. Without Barack Obama, there would have never been the type of groundswell white backlash to elect a sociopathic lunatic like Trump. Now, remember, Trump's motto was make America great again, but what it really was, was make America white again. That was the true message. That was the code. That nostalgia was for, again, when the white power structure was completely dominant, the 1950s, when everybody was not white, was kept in their place through social codes, through violence, through systemic racism. And that's what people were pining for. The days when white people were unambiguously on top and everybody else was under them, right? That's what the Trump movement was all about and is still about. Now, even some many well-meaning white liberals have actually joined in the backlash politics. I want to throw out a particularly egregious example. So Sam Harris, who many of you may know from his many books and from his podcast, he has the Making Sense podcast, He also has, um, you know, his waking up kind of meditation app. Now, think about it, right? Sam Harris is a hardcore kind of classical liberal. There's a lot about him I respect. He's a clearly very intelligent person. He is a very wealthy white liberal man who literally has a subscription meditation service called Waking Up that is based on a book of the same title and yet he sneers at wokeness and belittles it continually on his podcast. So let me repeat this, right? The man's brand that he makes millions of dollars on is on waking up, and yet he derides wokeness, seemingly oblivious to the irony. Now, there is something deep-seated in the white male psyche that simply bristles at being challenged, and can't step outside of one's narrow confines to see what others who aren't in the white male hierarchy might see. And again, this, this kind of white fragility is a real thing, right? White men in particular just hate being criticized and get incredibly defensive and, you know, go to great lengths to kind of quash and put down criticism, right? And, and let me be clear here why I think this fragility is even more real than people think. It's not just the hypersensitivity. It's not just them being kind of snowflakes, right? Which is, again, is what they call liberals. But again, remember, the right wing are masters of projection. It's that most white people, particularly white men, couldn't last a month in a black or brown or female body without losing their minds, right? The many indignities and disrespect that black and brown people face, the sexual harassment that women face, would drive white people crazy, white men in particular, if they had to live it. It would drive them to suicide or to lash out in a murderous fashion or literally to just, you know, fall into a deep depression. I mean, I know that with a fact. And the, why do I know that? Is because when you criticize them about something legitimate, about something truthful, they can't handle it. Imagine if they were subjected to daily indignities from the dominant power structure, they would lose their shit, no doubt, right? And it it doesn't, you know, take that much to see this, right? That, you know, most white people are just incapable of stepping out of their, you know, selves and seeing what it's like not being in the dominant power structure. It's like it's hardwired in their genes, this white supremacy, now, all that being said, I do want to make clear that as this pendulum of wokeness continues to swing, right, in trying to compensate for all the oppression of the last centuries, it will oftentimes overshoot the mark and lead to excesses. This is natural and to be expected, right? I mean, ask yourself, what social movement in history has ever been perfectly measured in its response to centuries of injustice. None. Zero. Right. The fact that wokeness has brought with it excesses is, is should not be a shock. Right. It is, just shows how, you know, historically illiterate this country is that people don't understand that that's what happens when formally marginalized groups rise up. And claim their voice, right? You're gonna get excesses and overcompensation. The pendulum's gonna swing too far sometimes, and innocent people are gonna get caught in that. It's not to excuse it, right? But it's just to understand it, right? So, after the break, I wanna talk about some of these excesses, including ones that I have experienced directly over this last year to kind of put it in context. So, all that right after the break. Can a devil fool a must? No, not now. Say the devil us four hundred years ago. Why it was self for trade and takes interpretation saying that we receive more gold for our labor in his nation Do we receive more gold. God now cipher. It's time to drop the bomb and make the devil pay the piper. Chewing deep, God, chewing deep. Chewing deep, God, chewing deep. Sunshine Wake up, wake up, wake up. Everybody life, my life, Okay. So like I said, any sociocultural movement that aims to address centuries of oppression is bound to miss the mark at times. This is natural and human. It's unfortunate, but it's what we humans do. It's how we evolve and try to make sense of the world. So before getting into some specific anecdotes from my personal life to illustrate these points, I want to speak more broadly from a white man's perspective, right? First off, excesses of wokeness are going to mean very different things to white men with different relative amounts of power, right? Those with power and those without are probably going to respond at some level in different ways, although on some level in the same way. I am a white man with power, not an excess of power, but I have a good, stable job. I'm in a well-respected profession. I have strong social bonds And, you know, I'm generally in a good position in society now. But as we've seen, even famous wealthy white men like Sam Harris, um, you know, can overreact when they are criticized. Right. And so it shows that even though you're in a relative position of strength, doesn't mean that you'll automatically act charitably towards those who are calling out what they see as oppression on your part. There is often just a knee-jerk response from white men, regardless of their status. With that being said, however, status matters, right? Sam Harris may be bothered by wokeness, and he might have fun on his podcast making fun of it, but it doesn't anyway any way truly threaten him or impact him materially. He makes millions of dollars off subscription to his Waking Up app and to his podcast and his books, you know. He, even if someone calls him out for something, which they do on Twitter, who cares, right? He can ignore it. He, he is not truly threatened by any of that, even though it might annoy him and he might lash out. But let's think for a moment about white men who don't actually have much wealth or status and who I think might feel threatened for both good and bad reasons by wokeness in our culture, right? There are those who feel that if they say the wrong thing, they might be fired or face severe disapprobation from their colleagues, those people may have a legitimate reason to be fearful, right? If you're in a precarious situation, you don't have a lot of money, you're older and you're worried that if you lose your job, you're not going to get another one. This added layer of fear, right, that there are people out there kind of monitoring your your behavior, that you might, if you say a wrong joke, or, you, you know, you share something on social media that's, you know, someone finds offensive that, you know, that you could really have, you know, suffer some serious consequences. This can be pretty destabilizing. And it's still a very negative response in those white men. Now, in many ways, this is understandable from just a base human love level. And I think we liberals should empathize with that, not condone their behavior, but understand its source. That for many white men who are in a precarious situation, wokeness, prevents, you know, presents a threat, a challenge to the little amount of status or stability that they have. Now, of course, these are the exact types of white men who are preyed on, who are the marks for right wing media, right? To get them ever fired up and resentful. Right. So, you know, you're a white man. You kind of you're working your your blue collar job. You don't have a lot of education. You're in your 40s or 50s. And, you know, now, you know, you're worried that if you say a joke or something that's a little sexist, a little racist, something that 10 years ago people would have laughed at. But now, you know, the wokeness police is going to come after you. You can, you know, you can have some serious fear in the back of your mind looming on top of the other insecurities you already have. And then you turn on Fox News or, you know, talk radio and then you have all these, you know, these these parasites there to get you fired up and resentful to make money off of you. You're the easy mark, right, to fire you up in really destructive ways. Now, this, of course, leads to a downward spiral because they get you fired up and then you're like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. It's a free country. And maybe you say some stuff and you get, you know, people come after you and it creates this kind of self-perpetuating cycle. So this is a tricky situation, right? We should and and must never condone bigoted or hateful rhetoric, right? However, when dealing with white men who are vulnerable and fearful and being riled up by right-wing propagandists, it's easy to make things worse if we respond in a way that's unconstructed. So let me share with you now a story that can help put some of this into context from my personal life. So I have been working on some climate policy the past two years, which has involved building a national coalition to lobby Congress and now lobby the Biden administration. My main partner in this effort is another older white man. So it's two old white men who are essentially at the front of this kind of coalition. We've kind of tried to take a back seat and not be out in front and have other voices be out in front. But at the end of the day, we're the two leaders of these organizations that are associated with this effort and we're two old white men. We have partnered with a lot of youth groups and we've reached out to environmental justice groups and indigenous groups for input and assistance with our work with mixed results. We've had some really favorable positive interactions and then some groups that haven't responded to us or they're too busy or they don't trust us, etc. Our team is small, it's only a few people. We work at nonprofits. I think we've made a really good faith effort to include a wide diversity of voices. In fact, I think our coalition is the most diverse of any that I've ever worked in, in over 25 years working in environmental policy. Um, But however, there's two examples I'm going to now share with you of kind of excesses of wokeness that we've had to deal with. Um, Now, and then they don't fit neatly into any category or description. And so you'll just kind of have to judge for yourself. And again, right, wokeness in this cultural moment is not clearly defined. So the first involves us reaching out to a black woman who is also in a similar field of ours, and who is highly respected and works you know, on similar issues. We noticed that after we published our initial piece calling for this development of a national coalition, that she and some other colleagues published something almost identical to us a couple of months later. So we weren't sure if she had you know, straight up copied our ideas or whether it was just coincidence that her work so closely mirrored ours. So we reached out to her and asked her if she wanted to work with us since our goals were so closely aligned. Over the the course of the next few months, she basically blew us off. She kind of said some perfunctory nice stuff, but basically blew us off, telling us she was too busy, but then she continued to publish stuff that mirrored our work and to kind of claim credit for it. So the bottom line is that she was kind of bullshitting us, right? She was kind of stringing us along, saying nice platitudes, but really not helping us out giving any credit to us, any work with us. And it seemed pretty clear that she was just kind of copying our work and taking credit. So we considered what our options were at this moment. And so take a step back and consider the optics, right? Two old white men accusing a younger, highly respected black woman of plagiarism and dishonesty, right? We knew we couldn't do anything, right? Right. And herein lies a key element of this cultural moment. If you're a white man, it is very difficult for you to leverage even a legitimate charge against a non-white or non-female person, regardless of its merits, right? And so whether consciously or not, many people out in the world, in America, get this and are subtly or not so subtly taking advantage of this dynamic. Now, I want to be clear here that the issue I just mentioned wasn't huge. I'm not even 100% certain that this woman in question was in the wrong, but I'm pretty close to 100% certain, right? Now, again, none of my reputation was at risk, and I lost nothing materially in in this process, but it wasn't pleasant to have someone take credit for, for my work and to also kind of bullshit me and be dishonest about it. But at this moment in time, I knew I couldn't do anything about it. And also, let me just say, I'm not trying to throw a pity party here either and say that, you know, people have to feel sorry for me or think that this is some grave injustice. It's not a grave injustice, but it's, again, unpleasant. It's unprofessional. It's nothing like what black people have had to endure for centuries. But still, it's again, it's an excess. It's something that shouldn't happen in a modern professional context. I should be able to tell this woman, hey, you know, you're being dishonest, you're doing this. And maybe I could, but I just thought the optics were too bad. And that in this cultural moment, no one would take me seriously and it would be really viewed in very poor taste for an elderly white man to, you know, accuse a younger black woman of something like this. Now, the next situation was a little more intense. So after working with a youth group for about a year and a half, the executive director started acting really weird and accusing my colleague and I of not doing enough to include indigenous voices in our policies and in our coalition. And this was despite the, the fact that we had reached out and documented that we had interacted with dozens of indigenous leaders and groups. This ED, this executive director, started becoming ever more erratic and, frankly, abusive to us both verbally and through email, and started to actively try to undermine You know, more than a year of work, work that her organization helped us develop. So it was very bizarre, and her behavior was particularly unhinged. But this executive director is smart, and she had young black and brown and indigenous youth attach their names to her accusations. So she would write these letters and these kind of manifestos and then have them sign their names to them. Some of these people were people we barely even knew, but were kind of in her orbit. So again, my colleague and I were faced with a situation where a group was actively lying about us, and yet if we called them out, it would be two old white men calling out young black and brown people. Again, it was an impossible situation. So we did our best to control the damage, and although the situation continued to deteriorate and it caused us lots of headaches, as they even went so far as to send out baseless lies to hundreds of our supporters using an email list that we had shared with them, right? This is how duplicitous this group became. So they tried to cancel us. They straight up tried to cancel us and destroy almost two years of work that we invested thousands of hours in and tens of thousands of dollars. We managed to weather the storm because we were in the right and we had the evidence to disprove the bullshit accusations that they were throwing at us. But it was stressful. It was like really, really stressful. Um, So in summary here, the excesses of wokeness are a natural byproduct of human behavior and to be expected, right? But it doesn't make them less unjust or unfair, right? Many well-meaning and innocent white people are gonna be dragged into the mud because that's how this is gonna go. I consider myself having already kind of experienced this, but again, in a relatively mild form. I wasn't fired. I wasn't physically harassed. I wasn't, you know, sexually assaulted. Right. So I want to be clear here that like my stress and the thing I went through is not equivalent to the things that white society has inflicted on black and brown and and females for, for a long, long time. But that being said, from my description, I, I'm actually probably being pretty conservative in my description of what happened. It's it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. And in a you know in a healthy society, these things wouldn't be going on, right? But again, it's easier for you know well off white men like me to weather the storm. Um, and but you know I I have to be honest, it did shake me a little. It made me more cautious and a little nervous of working with certain groups, and that's unfortunate, right? Because we need more communication, not less. That's the whole problem. We don't want to be siloed. We want to be able to work together, and yet this these excesses are making that more difficult, right? And this is a byproduct of a culture where trust is at an all-time low, where really the, the foundational social trust has really, really been whittled down to almost nothing. So, After the break, I'll come back with the antidote. Okay, so we are clearly in a very intense era in America on many fronts, right? You have to be living in a cave to not realize how wild things are in America, and for that matter, the whole world. And look, while wokeness has its excesses, it's important to remember that it's a positive thing overall, right? The true evil is white supremacy and white male patriarchy. And it's going to take a while to develop true equality in America, where all people are treated with dignity and respect. So while we go through this difficult period, I highly recommend that we're generous with each other, that we're not so quick to jump to conclusions, that we give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Using myself as an example again, I'm pretty hardcore liberal, right? But with transgender folks and you know the pronouns, I'm sure I'm gonna make some mistakes. It's kind of tricky to me. I don't exactly understand how to navigate this. And I'm someone who really wants to try, right? So I can only imagine how someone who doesn't even think about this stuff, who comes from a conservative area, is going to trip all over themselves if they try. And it's hopefully someone's not just going to, you know, um, you know, yell at them or get really irritated with them, but be generous and be kind and be patient. And on the flip side, you know, let's make sure not to romanticize Anyone or any group, right? We're all fallible and imperfect, right? And so while the work of giving voice to everyone is incredibly important, there's gonna be ups and downs. But let's all remember this is a worthwhile effort that we should all celebrate because this is uplifting people who have been oppressed for a long time and equalizing the playing field. And that really holds the promise of an America that I can truly get behind. Whether I'll live to see it or not, I don't know. But it is certainly an aspiration that I um, that I celebrate. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Please rate it as well. And with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Take care. Be well. <laughs>